Hey students, this is Albert Luna here, editor-in-chief at The Roundup. Just want to say that this episode of the NMSU Roundup Sports Podcast is brought to you by Casa Bandera Apartments. Students, if you're anything like us here at The Roundup, you know that with spring break around the corner, you have to start thinking about where you're going to be living next school year. Instead of having to move all your belongings in and out on one day of the year and have to have RAs constantly knocking at your door with on-campus housing, why not go across the street to Casa Bandera and enjoy peace and privacy? Casa Bandera is now taking fall pre-leasing applications for one, two, and three bedroom floor plans. The apartments also come with game rooms, a resort-style pool for everyone, basketball courts and a fitness center schedule your visit today by calling 575-647-0881 or logging on to casabandera.com again that is 575-647-0881 or logging on to casabandera.com Casa Bandera, where convenience meets excellence. Also, students wanted to take some time to talk about one of our other sponsors today, Neon Desert Music Festival. Students, your favorite music festival of the year is almost here. Neon Desert Music Festival in downtown El Paso is getting closer and closer as it's set to take place on May 26th and 27th. Lineups have already been announced, and they include Martin Garrix, Gucci Mane, and Dylan Francis, all performing live in person. We'll be taking, we'll be talking more about this as this gets closer, but tickets are now on sale, so be sure not to miss out. Log on to neondesertmusicfestival.com to get your spot secured for the best music festival in the Southwest. And also lastly, students, a reminder from nmsuroundup.com that we are now on the Apple Podcast app. Be sure to subscribe to us and give us a rating while you're there. Already a ton of subscribers on our Apple Podcast app so far, so thank you, students. As always, be sure to check out the website this week as we're doing our week of giving. And with that being said, students, here's our managing editor, Derek Gonzalez, as he interviews Las Cruces Sun News sports reporter Mark Rudy on the NMSU Roundup Sports Podcast. Take it away, Derek. This is another edition of the NMSU Roundup Sports Podcast. My name is Derek Gonzalez, and I'm the managing editor. Obviously, this week is really important because uh, we're going to be previewing the WAC tournament. So joining me, I have none other than Mark Rudy. Mark, how you doing today? Doing well. Invited me for a second time, yes. man. You could have invited someone much cooler than me, but you know, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, there's a lot of things to talk about. Um, obviously, the regular season ended last weekend. Um, New Mexico State won both the men's and women's uh regular season title outright um so that was a neat deal and then obviously yesterday um they came out with the all whack teams and the coach of the year and the play of the year but um first things first i just want to talk about the regular season a little bit um i will read off the the rack standings and uh nmsu obviously finished first uh with utah valley right behind them grand canyon third seattle u fourth uh utrgv fifth bakersfield sixth umkc seventh and chicago state eighth Mark, were there any surprises in any any of that uh, standings-wise from the regular season? I don't really think there were any surprises. Um, the only team that I thought maybe was going to do a little bit better was Bakersfield, but you knew, uh, you know, coming off that NIT season last year, they lost a ton of seniors mm-hmm. from that team. They were just so young this year, but they play hard. I mean, any Rod Barnes coach team is going to play very hard. He's a very good coach. But I think everybody else, if you take a look at the preseason standings, I think kind of is in line with everybody. And, you know, Grand Canyon – Maybe you could say it's a little bit of disappointment because they didn't really challenge for a conference title when everybody right. thought this was going to be the year. Um, but the only that would be the only two I would say. Otherwise, not really any surprise. The teams that we thought were going to be good, you know, were good and kind of finished where we thought they were going yeah. to. Yeah, and I thought Grand Canyon um, coming into the season, um, gaining Casey Benson, who was a point guard in the Final Four last year, bringing back uh, Josh Brown, who was for the second year in a row the preseason player of the year, I thought they would be a team that would 
maybe go 11 and 3 or 12 and 2 in conference. I thought if they would lose, it would maybe be once or twice to NMSU and maybe uh, once on their Pacific Northwest trip to uh, Seattle and Utah Valley. So that was that was a bit surprising. Um, I knew no matter what Chris Jans kind of brought into the program that NMSU is just a, at such a high level compared to their peers in the conference where even maybe what would presumably be a bad year in terms of, you know, NMSU fans' expectations, they could still get 10-11 conference wins. And, you know, I think they – they exceeded expectations, especially in non-conference play. Yeah, I mean, this is something you and I talked about in the last podcast, is that, like, was it surprised that NMSU's done? Like, I figured they would compete for a conference title no matter what, just because I saw the talent this team had. And, um, you obviously, Chris Jans has won everywhere he's been. Like, you look at junior college, Bowling Green, he's been part of, you know, successful teams at Wichita State. Won everywhere he's been, he's taken that here now. So, um, you know, obviously going into the conference, you figure they possibly could go undefeated just because of what they did in the non-conference schedule. But going into the season, yeah, I mean, I thought they could they could definitely compete for a conference title. Yeah, so, I mean, it was, it was a good deal for uh, NMSU. Um, so it's obviously March, greatest time of the year. Um, it's almost time to cue uh, Luther Vandross and the one shining moment, just a couple weeks away from that, actually. But um, starting tomorrow, it's the uh, quarterfinals of the men's bracket today. Uh, the women start, um, and they play Chicago State as well, who had like a – 40-game, 50-game losing streak until about a couple weeks ago. So I think they'll be fine. But we're going to talk a little bit more about men's today. Um, the quarterfinal matchups include New Mexico State, Chicago State, Utah Valley against UMKC, uh, Grand Canyon and Bakersfield in the 3-6 matchup, and then uh, Seattle U and UTRGV in the 4-5. Uh, Mark, do you, can you based off any of those quarterfinal games, is there a game that you could see maybe even being closer and upset from a lower seed? I expect the top four to move on. Um, maybe Bakersfield, maybe, just because they play so tough. And, you know, Rod Barnes obviously knows how to get it done in tournament time. This team has gained some experience throughout the year, but obviously we're talking about freshmen. A lot of them are freshmen or sophomores, and they have not been through the tournament experience. But they play so hard. And a lot of the thing with Bakersfield is, too, is that, defensively a lot of it's going to be dictated and how the officials want to call it if they want to call it tight that helps Bakersfield if they're going to let them go might not help them so much and also depends what UMKC team shows up you know they yeah. came in here on a four-game win streak they beat Utah Valley they beat Seattle granted that was at home yeah and they go and they lose to Chicago State on Saturday yeah so and they've lost to a division two team earlier in the year so Maybe, but I, I see Utah Valley taking care of business in that one. I don't see them losing to UMKC again, but it just kind of depends what UMKC team yeah. shows up. If it's that one that won the four-game win streak, maybe they can pull an upset. If not, no. Yeah. I, I don't see any upset. Yeah, I honestly don't. I think all four the top seeds move on. Yeah, and UMKC, they've been like Jekyll and Hyde. They had like a really bad start, reeled off. You know, those four in a row that you just spoke of and, you know, losing to Chicago State, you really can't get more hot or well, cold they came, than that. Yeah, I mean, they came in here confident. You could yeah. tell. And then – that just ended stopped quickly, yeah, because then MSU played one of their better games in a while when they you know, blew out UMKC here. Yeah. Um, so kind of looking forward, I think um, we can – let's just assume that all four higher seeds advance to the semis. Do you think it's beneficial for NMSU that they do avoid Grand Canyon and Utah Valley until the potential final? I think so, because I think that Seattle, um, you know, obviously Seattle's beat NMSU, but I don't think Seattle was as good as Grand Canyon and Utah Valley. Um, we obviously saw that here. I think they killed them pretty much here. And yeah. It was just kind of a weird situation. They're, they're not making excuses or anything for that loss, but that was a weird situation going up there. Yeah. You're traveling from Salt Lake City to Seattle on that Friday. 
Uh, Key Arena had a concert that Friday night, so they couldn't practice there. They couldn't do shoot around there. Yeah. They didn't have access to the building. Until and I think that was one of the more poorest shooting performances exactly. they had of the year. Yeah, it was a pretty good defensive uh, effort, but, yeah, just one of their bad offensive games. It was just a weird a weird vibe. So yeah. to say at least, and they were, honestly, they were like one play away from winning that yeah. game. If you know, falls, I know Zach yeah. got hot late in the second half. They exactly. made that surge, and, and like if Jamirio gets that loose ball at the end, the game's over and they win. But, yeah, you know what happens. I do think the bracket has, with the exception of maybe, and Chris Jans actually talked about this on Monday with how maybe the bracket's set up to where. The, uh, the one seed doesn't get as much rest as he thinks they should. Yeah. Other than that, I think the, um, the you know, it's beneficial the way it is with them, you know, getting Seattle and avoiding yeah. Utah Valley Grand Canyon to the championship. I, I know, I don't think they want a Grand Canyon in the semifinals. So. Yeah, that would have been a tough matchup. But, you know, Seattle has their, they pose their own problems, but I just think they're, they pose a little bit less of a threat in terms of a talent standpoint than Grand Canyon, who has a few guys that can play at a high level. But uh, speaking a little bit about Chris Jans, he was named the WAC uh, Don Haskins Coach of the Year. Um, can you get just talk a little bit about your thoughts on the year he had um, his first year at NMSU? And then, um, yeah, just talk about that first. Well-deserved. That's all I'd say. I, I couldn't think of anybody else. Maybe you can make an argument from Mark Pope at mm-hmm. Utah Valley. Um, but, I mean, the, the job that Chris Jans and his staff have done with this team has just been amazing. I mean, when in the summertime, and I talked about this before, that, you know, not everybody was here. So they couldn't do anything scheme-wise. They do all individual work until August when the whole team was here. And I'm like, man, this team's going to be really behind. Yeah. And then, of course, the blowout to Texas Tech and the exhibition game. The, yeah, they were very unimpressed. Yeah. They won one by seven. Right. They gave the, up 83 points. Southeast Oklahoma State, yeah, yeah, they did not look at good at all the exhibition games. But that was the turning point of the season. And, you know, Chris had kind of said there's guys – I don't know if I want to say guys weren't buying in, mm-hmm. but when you take over a program that has had success like this one, you know, Chris had said maybe there were some guys who were saying, well, why are we doing this? Like, this yeah. is what we did last year. We won 28 games. Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of something they had instilled in their head in that Texas Tech game. That was the one. And if they hadn't had that, that would have happened in the regular season. Yeah, and who knows – with New Mexico having come in as early as they did, luckily it wasn't that game. Luckily exactly. it was an exhibition that didn't count against a really high-quality Texas Exactly, Tech and team. that's why you know, I had said that that's why you play that game. That was good for them to you know, to play a Big 12 team. And obviously Texas Tech is having a really good season too. I think they're in the top 25 somewhere. Um, but it's just amazing what the, he's done. He's got the guys to buy in. Obviously his recruiting, getting Zach Lofton, was a huge get for them in the offseason. Um, Chris is – X's and O's, I think, are just amazing. His yep. in-game adjustments, the best that I've seen out of a coach here uh, and since I've you know started covering the right, team. Right. So. Um, but, yeah, definitely well-deserved. Uh, you know, I couldn't really think of anybody else that could, could get that award. Now, he's certainly what they did in the non-conference, too. I mean, he swept all four rivals. Yep. They beat Miami, which is a top-10 win for the first time since 1990. And yep. He just did things that hadn't been done here in a yeah. long time. Yeah, and it seemed like with him, um, you know – and I, and I hate to say this because you know Marv was here for such a long time, but it seemed like the program really plateaued there for a few years. You know, you knew you would get you know the the non-conference struggles. The team would peak in March, um, and then because of the non-conference struggles, they would end up with the 13-12 seed in the in the tournament. And then you know, with when Paul came, you know they won the non-conference game against Arizona State, beat New Mexico. But then this year, it seems like Chris put it all together, beating the rivals, beating the Mountain West teams. And then getting those big wins on national television against the top ten teams. So I, I yeah, I can see why you think that uh, Chris was 
I think it was a really obvious choice for Wacko to the right. year. Right, and they perform well on the big stage. You know, Chris has been there. I mean, he was part of an undefeated team. He was yeah. part of a Final Four team at Wichita State. Um, he turned around Bowling Green, which, you know, for somebody who graduated from Max school, that's a program that has struggled for so long. Yeah. And he turned them around in his only year there. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's obvious, you know, that he can coach. And it was obviously well-deserved, you know, well-deserved honor for Chris. Yeah. Um, so speaking a little more about Chris, um, obviously last night Jason came out with an article kind of about the, uh, um, the financial situation in terms of athletics and um, their budget and what they owe to uh, main campus. And something that stood out to me was obviously the last paragraph when Mario Mocha talked a little bit about how he felt, in his opinion, that the university didn't do enough to keep Paul Weir here when, you know, he was offered the New Mexico job. And maybe before that, you know, having all the success as a first year head coach, um, I guess he wasn't really, in Mario's opinion, shown, you know, any terms, any kind of like um, incentive or he wasn't given a raise or anything like that. Um, because of, I guess, the um, financial budget getting kind of like extended, uh, the the debt thing, whatever, I don't know. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And can you, what do you think would help maybe Chris should or should he not be offered or, you know, entertain an idea of Once again, this is not something I've asked like him specifically or mm-hmm. anything um, or have any knowings of if he is looking for another job after this season. But I would say that if he gets uh, like a power five opening, like I don't Mississippi's the only one I know that's open right now. Yep. And I'm just saying this in theory. I'm not as yeah. far as I know, he's not a candidate there. But I'm assuming that that's a seven-figure job because yep. it's an SEC team. If they come calling, I mean, I would think he would. You, you've got to go. They right. offer him the job, and right. I don't think NMSU fans would be upset at that at all because it's like, well, you're going to an SEC team. Yeah. I think the frustration comes is when it's other mid-majors yes. <laughs> that are yes. taking the yes. uh, that are that exactly. are taking the coaches because NMSU can't pay. You know, like what, for example what even the regionals are you yeah, know, regional. UNLV, New UNLV, Mexico. New Mexico, UTEP, you know what they're paying. And I think too, that like with the university itself, they expect NMSU to be on the same level as higher than those schools. Yeah. But with athletics, because of the budget, it's, they're not even really on the same level. And yeah. it's just been amazing what, uh, you know, Mario Mocha and Chris Jans and Doug Martin have done and, you know, Brooke Atkinson, too, with just the – and, you know, Michael Jordan and everybody, you know, all the coaches, yeah. Kathy Rodolph, Brian Green, with the, the struggles that they have and what they've – and with the uh, budgets, what they've done. It's been amazing. Um, I think it's going to help at least maybe in the short term a little bit. It's going to open up, I think, what I read, 250000 to $300,000. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe going to have to go – to try and bump up Chris's salary a little bit because Mario Mocha said there's three schools that have already inquired about, about Chris. And that's before even attacking, um, bringing on those assistant coaches needed for the football program. Exactly. So, So, um, I don't know how much of a raise they can get him. I've said this before. He actually is going to go to two, 270,000 next year, but that's only a $20,000 raise. Um, and he goes to 290 the year after. And he is Granted, I use that word granted because that seems to be the word that is floating <laughs> around with the, you know, in the contract. He he will be, he could be granted a fifth year uh, for his contract, a year extension. And is it for winning the WAC tournament? As it's for winning the WAC regular season. Gotcha. It's winning the WAC regular season or going to the NCAA tournament. Gotcha. So he okay. he'll get that. Yeah. And I I'm assuming, I think that's the same problem that in terms of Paul Weir's buyout where the exactly. misunderstanding occurred. Exactly. That's where the misunderstanding 
is occurring right now is, is that word granted from my understanding. Um, so I don't know if they're going to try and redo that too in the off season, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see, I don't know if they can redo that. I'm not, yeah. a, I'm not a lawyer, yeah. so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to, uh, if they can do that or not, but you know, it's just, I think in the short term that, that, uh, you know, extending the debt's going to help at least a little yeah. bit to try and, you know, make these coaching salaries a little bit more competitive out there. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, when Mario had the press conference after Paul initially left, he said something, he had a very valid point. He said, you know, there's no school that's unpluckable besides the Blue Bloods. You know, um, when Steve Offord was at UNM, he had just signed, what, like a 10-year extension, and then a couple weeks later he left to UCLA because a Blue Blood came calling. And, you know, as a college head coach, it's kind of hard to, you know, ignore those kind of opportunities. Um, but I, I, I do think, and I don't know um, how specifically Mario wants to allocate these funds um, that are going to soon be available to him, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping or thinking that maybe – It'll be the thought that counts. Yeah. Maybe if they give him twenty five, fifty thousand onto his base salary, maybe he'll appreciate the thought more exactly. than anything else. And you know, I don't know what Chris's thoughts are if he you know, if he would want to go to another higher mid major per se or if he wants to wait for a power five job. But uh, I do want to mention USA Today came out this week with it was a list of like eighty six potential NCAA tournament salaries. And of course, Chris Jans was tied for last with with Mike Davis at uh, Texas, Texas Southern. Southern. Yeah. Now that was of the public schools who reported. There were a couple private schools in there. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming that Jam Jamie Dixon at TCU makes more than Chris Jans. Yeah. So you could probably go ahead and assume that he's essentially last on that list. Yeah. And I know that was the same case with uh, with Paul Asher. I think he was like out of the 68 teams that made the field, he was like 62nd right. in, in base salary. Well, another problem too with the salaries is, is if you're going to hire an assistant from a power five, a lot of times they have to take a pay cut to come here. Right. Um, it's I more of an opportunity. Right. Type and of I think, I don't, I think Chris is one of them. I think he actually was making more as an associate head coach at Wichita state. Yeah. Joe Pasternak at Arizona, who was, he's now the head coach at UCSB. He was a finalist for the position when Paul got it he would have had to take a pay cut from Arizona to come here. So yeah. that's a problem too. And you got the power five assistant coaches are making more than the mid-major head coaches. Yeah. And I, I don't know if there's really any way that problem can be fixed, you know, cause I mean, those power five teams have so much money and so many resources and you know, the boosters, the donors and things like that, the exactly. ticket sales and exactly. the TV deals. So, I mean, they just have a lot going for them, but um, continuing on with uh, the NMSU awards that were won, uh, Jamario Jones was the conference player of the year over Zach Lofton. Is that your sentiment? Was that something you kind of agree with and why? Yeah, I think so. I, I think I even put that out there and said if I had a vote, I probably would go with Jamario. Um, just because – and Zach, I think, deserved it absolutely too if he would have got it too. Like he, obviously, he's had a, a fantastic year. Right. Um, Jamario, though, like he's, he's – what he's doing is special. Like you just don't see this very often. I mean, three uh, three straight 20-rebound games, and he's had four 20-rebound games. He's had a 23-rebound game a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, he leads a team in assists, which you don't see from a forward position. Now, yeah. you could argue that Jamario is essentially a guard. Yeah. But he's listed as a forward. Right. So, and you know, only at 6'5", to be second in the country in rebounding, and what, 17 double-doubles, I think, on the year. Yeah. I mean, it's truly special what the guy's doing. And I think three straight 20-rebound games, nobody had done that since 97 yeah. in the country. So, I definitely, yeah, I agree. I, th I thought the coaches would probably go that route 
just because they can kind of appreciate the uniqueness right, you, of the uniqueness and you could argue more complete player, I guess. Um, you know, I definitely don't think NMSU is where they're at today without Zach Lofton by right. any means either. So I said, you kind of wish that they could go co. Yeah. But um, with the eight coaches in Jans can't vote for his own players. It's kind of like, I don't think it, there's no way it could have got split that way to go. Yeah. Co, unless somebody out there voted for somebody else. So, but it was going to be clear. It was going to be those two, uh, Lofton or, or Jamirio. Maybe you could have made an argument for Nick Dixon at UTRGV. Yeah. But, you know, I do think Jamirio, you know, well-deserved. Um, and he had a great quote yesterday, too. I asked him about it, and he's like, oh, uh, or I said, what a you know, winning whack player of the, of the year meeting you. He's like, I just had to follow PG. Oh and I was my like, God. who's PG? <laughs> like, Ian Baker. I'm like, oh, okay, it makes sense. Like, I call him PG. Yeah. He's like, I had to fill his shoes. So. That's funny. But, yeah, just I think three in a row now for NMSU. Yeah. And three out of the past uh, four or, yeah, three out of the past four years. Pascal, Ian, and now Jim yep. Mario. And then, of course, Mullings in Mullings, 2015. Yeah. And they wow. probably should have had another one. Um, but I think past – this is what you hope didn't happen this year. I think Pascal and Daniel Mullings split the vote uh-huh. in 2015. That's how Martez – Harrison gotcha. at UMKC yeah. ended up getting it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's Jamario is one of the more unique stories in college basketball. And I didn't really know much about his past until I read that um, feature story in the Memphis Observer about how um, he hurt his knee junior year, didn't even finish high school, got his GED, uh, got enrolled into Hill uh, commuter, or Junior College and uh, the rest was history, and I also didn't know that it was a Jesse Bob recruit. I yeah, was, I knew yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I knew he was a Jesse Bob recruit. Yeah, yeah. so that's really neat. Um, yeah, Jamario has been really since day one, um, one of the hardest playing players I think I've ever seen um, watching NMSU play. Um, it, it, he's been a pleasure to watch. Um, him and Zach together, just it really is something special. Um, but uh, turning the page a little bit, do you think NMSU right now is playing their best basketball of the year going into the WAC tournament? I think they got their quote-unquote mojo back. I will say that. Um, you know, obviously they were not playing their best basketball when they lost two straight to Seattle, Utah Valley, and that went over Chicago State. You know, they definitely did not play their best basketball of the year. Um, I would say they're not, and I'm going to say just because Chris Jans thinks that they have not played their best basketball right. and they can play so much better. Yeah. Like he said that all year that they haven't even, you know, peaked at all, which yeah. – Intrigues think, you. Yeah, and so. I think that's a good thing um, because, you know, like the saying goes, only fools are satisfied. And, you know, obviously I, I see so much of the struggles that they had so similar to, so similarly to last year's team and how it seems like they got out of the rut right before the WAC tournament and then just steamrolled the WAC tournament and went to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, it was the same thing last year. You know, Paul thought they peaked a little bit, I think, sometime in conference and they went through a lull and – they got a second peak, you yeah. know. But this year, I think they got so much. They got a lot of momentum going into the tournament. Um, I think they're ready to go. It seems like yeah, a lot of these guys have been through this before. Yeah. Um, so including Zach Lofton's been through it. Jamiro Jones has been through it. AJ Harris has been through it as a, you know as a Big Ten tournament. Yeah. So he's been through it. Most everybody, Eli Chu has been through it. Most everybody, you have that experience. Yeah. And that you can't substitute that. Yeah. Like that tournament experience at all. Yeah. And um, I think it's just, it's really interesting because after the Chicago State game, you know, I remember we were interviewing City and he was just like, he's so tired. And I think he kind of like the way NBA players get in that lull, like, but like before the all-star break we were right. just like exhausted i think and then i asked chris jans that yeah, question not too, he was that was not what he wanted yeah to hear, I thought. yeah <laughs> so. but i mean i do appreciate city's honesty when we asked him the question 
but I, I do think there was truth behind it. I think, you know, when you've won so many championships here and, you know, you know you, the conference you're playing, like it's it's only human nature to kind of go through those lulls. Right. And I think now after those losses and not being impressive against Chicago State, I think now they realize like, oh, shoot, the WAC tournament's right here. Right. And Jameer, now let's I go. asked Jameer about that yesterday and he said, we got to play every game like we're playing Miami. Yeah. And, 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 you know, anybody in our non-conference schedule, like it's Illinois, Miami, UNM, UTEP, we can't look at the name. Yeah. We got to play that way. So you yeah. know, they cannot play that way at all tomorrow night because Chicago State, they're coming off their first win of the year and, you know, they're going to fight to keep their season alive because, right. you know, if they don't win, it's, yeah, I mean, they're done. And, yeah. and they did play NMSU surprisingly well here in the Pan Am a couple weeks ago. But, Mark, what are your three keys that you think NMSU needs to really focus on to win the WAC tournament this week? Defense, <clears throat> definitely, especially if they play Utah Valley in the final because Utah Valley is a very good scoring team. Seattle's a pretty good scoring team, too, if they get them in the semifinals. That's been <clears throat> a staple for this team all year is defense. Um, I think they're number six in the nation in scoring defense. Mm -hmm. They're a top ten Ken Palm, adjusted defensive efficiency. Mm -hmm. So just do that what you've been doing all year defensively, you know, guarding the basketball and – and you know denying anything you can so that's that's one key rebounding obviously will be another key um you know they've been pretty good at that all year they're one of the top rebounding teams in the nation i, I think i have to look that up but i don't know if they've won a game when they got out rebounded because yeah. i know like in that seattle game they got out rebounded that utah valley game they got out rebounded um obviously they have the horses to go get it and they can't rely on Jamirio to get all the rebounds right but lately like you've been seeing Zach's been getting a lot of rebounds AJ Harris has been getting in there and getting rebounds yeah um you know obviously Eli Chua you know as you know get in there and get a lot of rebounds Jonathan Wilkins has played you know pretty well yeah uh past couple of games so that'd be that and I'd say you know use your experience like you've been there before you yeah. know what it takes to, to you know to win a WAC tournament I think everybody in the starting lineup has been there before yeah so been there and won it yeah so. and I think um something that's a really good thing uh, that bodes well for New Mexico State is there's there is a significant drop-off between the seven and the eight and um with NMSU playing Chicago State you know, I don't think they're going to have to exert the amount of energy that maybe these other teams are going to have to exert in the quarterfinals. And let's, for whatever reason, let's say Utah Valley and Grand Canyon meet in the semis. I just feel like at by the time NMSU gets to the final, they should have a decent amount of energy compared to whoever they meet Saw in the final. Saw that last year when um, – forgot who NMSU played in the semis. I want to say it was UMKC, but they took care of business in semis. And then Utah Valley and Bakersfield played a – triple overtime yeah. game and it was so clearly obvious i mean you, it was what like a 26 to 4 run or something yeah. bizarre where Bakersfield just ran out of gas they did in that second half because i i thought i was i told somebody yesterday i was like i thought you guys were done at halftime yeah like i had already written my story that you guys were losing and i might have to ask mario moche if you're gonna go to the cbi because yeah. they didn't have the nit right. auto bid and then yeah that 26-4 run you, you're right i mean nmsu just turned it on with those halftime adjustments and bakersfield ran out of gas and that's very possible that could happen between Grand Canyon and Utah Valley. I think they've played two close games this year. Yeah. So Last it, one was a one point uh, Grand Canyon win. Exactly. Yeah. That helped get NMSU the the you know outright regular season championship. So definitely. Yeah. Um, that's why I said I thought the bracket kind of you know matched up pretty well for NMSU with that sense too because we saw it last year. Yeah. I remember talking to I don't know which assistant coach it was last year, but they were waiting in the the waiting room for that Utah Valley Bakersfield game. Like, man, they could play all night for yeah. all weekend. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mark, here's another important question. Uh, if NMSU doesn't win the WAC tournament, who does? 
Utah Valley. Utah Valley. Yeah, I think they're the second best team in the WAC. Um, Mark Pope has just done a great job there uh, up in Orem, and they're so balanced offensively. Yeah, like they, I think they have five guys who average double figures, and that's why, like I was saying, if you're gonna pick another WAC player of the year, it might have to be from Utah Valley. But I was like, there's not really anybody. Yeah. Who is they? Uh, they, they do it by right. committee. And um, even their their big guy in the middle, when he's not playing, they're still pretty efficient. Yeah. So that's why I said defense would be a key, too, because that was something that I don't think NMSU did well at all up in Orem. That was one of their worst defensive games of the year. Right, right. And if Utah Valley is can score, I mean, they're hard. Yeah, they're hard to stop if they're on. But, yeah, I would say that's the – the only other team I think could win this thing. But you never know. Someone right. out there could get it's hot. March. It's yeah. March. You, you never know who could get hot. You know, we've seen it in some conference tournaments. I want to say in the Horizon League, like the eight seed got to the final. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, I forgot who that was. Wright State, I think, was the, the eight seed and got yeah. or Cleveland State, one of the two, uh, got there. And um, But I would say Utah Valley would be the only other team I think could win this thing. Yeah. Well, it'll be an interesting week. Um, it'll be a lot of fun, a lot of basketball. I know you leave to, to uh, Las Vegas tomorrow, 6 a.m. flight. So Yeah, I'm more uh, concerned about making my connection in Los Angeles <laughs> than anything right now. It's going to be tight. So Yeah, so uh, thank you for coming in um, and, and joining me and discussing, you know, Aggie basketball as it heads into, I think, the funnest time of NMSU's year. It seems like for the last, what, 11 years since they joined the WAC. It's been a blast. So uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll, we'll see you guys next week on the Roundup Sports Podcast.